Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Yes. Um, 2023 has begun. That is shocking <laughs> and amazing. Um, we are continuing. It's actually the last session of our Miraculous Births series. And today's message is entitled, The Miracle of New Beginnings. Amen. The Miracle of New Beginnings. And uh, you can turn to your Bible or you can follow with me as I read Isaiah 43 verse 16 to 21, and it says, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Amen. Amen. So we know uh, verses 18 and 19 very well. In fact, we know 19 really, really well. We've got it on cups and diaries and calendars all over our house, and it's a beautiful scripture. But this is the context that these verses appear in. And so the prophet reminds Israel of their deliverance from Egypt. How the Lord brought them out miraculously through the Red Sea and how he saved them from their slavery. The Lord reminds his people that he is the one who makes a way in the sea, who makes a path through mighty waters. Coming out of 2022, I think some of us felt like we were encountering mighty waters. Anybody have that feeling? Well, God is the one who makes a path through that. The Lord reminds his people that he is the one who lays to rest forever chariot, horse, enemy, and warrior, that they will never stand up again. Do you remember how the Red Sea closed over the mighty army of Egypt, and they did Israel no harm? And the Lord is reminding Israel that he is her deliverer, that he is the hope of Israel, that he is the light of Israel. And it's important that we understand this context if we're going to interpret verse 18 and 19 correctly. So let's just remind ourselves of what those two verses say. It says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so the very first thing God says and that heading has got away, is remember not. God commands them to remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. But we've just learned that the context of that is what? Deliverance from Egypt. The Exodus, an entire book written about it, right? 
This is kind of shocking. In fact, it's deeply and profoundly radical. Because God himself instituted the festival of Passover. And Passover is incredibly significant because it is where Israel begins to form a national identity. And if you remember the events of Passover, they had to sacrifice a, a, an innocent, unblemished lamb. They had to take that blood and they had to paint it onto the lintels of their doorway, right? So that when the angel of death passed over Egypt, it passed over them. They were not harmed. They were not touched. And that act precipitated them leaving Egypt. It was literally their deliverance from Egypt. And so this moment is very important to Israel. It's their beginning. It's where they become a people. But God says, remember not the former things of old. And he is talking about this Red Sea Exodus. He's talking about this deliverance. Why is he saying forget that? Because there is a better deliverance coming. There is a greater freedom coming. There is the perfect Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. And no longer do we paint blood on our doors, but He has painted our hearts. But this is radical. This is incredibly radical. God says, remember not the former things of old. And this is something that happens throughout the book of Isaiah. Isaiah prophesies so much to the coming of the Messiah, to the coming of the promise, to the coming of the new covenant, the new testament in the blood of Jesus Christ. And the prophecies of Isaiah state categorically that he has fulfilled the law, which means that that's not the point of our faith anymore. The point of our faith is not to fulfill the law. The point of our faith is to commune with God through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the point of our faith. If you're not convinced about that, go back and listen to our Galatians series. You will get it. You will get it. And this is so important in understanding the new thing that God is going to do. We'll get there in a moment. So if, if Isaiah was writing this prophecy to us right now in modern English, what he's literally saying is, forget all that. Forget it. And this is radical too. Do you know that scientifically, mem memory is vitally important for learning? Without memory, there's no learning. If you can't remember your ABCs, you will never learn to read. And so our past gives context for the future. It allows us to learn new things as we have understanding and then we layer more understanding on. But in this context, God is doing something so amazing. He says, forget it all. It kind of doesn't make sense. But when God does a new thing, we cannot define it in terms of what has come before. It's a new thing. You see, Israel got so entrenched in their human efforts to, to complete the law, to live by the law. Pastor Roger told us they had 613 laws they had to live by. They got so busy just keeping the law 
and writing up all kinds of things about how you keep the law. And actually, because they were human, making all kinds of loopholes for when you don't keep the law. (laughs) And it just became a man-made religion at the end of it. But they got so busy with that that they forgot the heart and the purposes of God. And sometimes we do the same thing. You see, God delivered them from Egypt so that they could become a nation. But that wasn't the destiny of Israel. Their ultimate destiny was to bring forth the Messiah, to be a holy people before the Lord so he could release a blessing to the entire earth, to every single human being. And in the new thing that God is doing, our identity in God has no context of our previous understanding of who we were. And this is what Israel missed. Yes, he gave them the law, but he wanted them to give them him their hearts. And that's what they failed to do. And so they got confused by their past, and they didn't actually step into the identity they were supposed to carry. You see, when we come to God, He alone identifies us. He tells us who we are. And what does He say? He says, I am your God, and you are my people. That's from Jeremiah 30, verse 22, if you want to go read it. I am your God, and you are my people. Now, some of you are looking at me, and you're going, yes. But what we're thinking in our head is, but what does that mean? That's a really good question. See, In our modern day, we want a manual of identity. We want what the Israelites wanted. How do I live in identity? God is not interested in that. God is telling you who you are, but it's your personal responsibility to go and dig it out. It's your personal responsibility to go after experience with God. Not just spiritual happiness and joy, that's awesome, let's do that but into understanding who he is in every situation and circumstance of our life. The unconditional promise of God is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But we do this thing when things go bad or when we sin or when we fail or make a mistake, we try to fix it by ourselves. He is right there and he wants to show us who he is. I am your God and you are my people. That is our identity. There is nothing else. But we have to look for it. We have to go after it. And we only do that by experiencing him in the middle of whatever is going on in our lives. And so whatever identified you and I before, God says, forget it. And so this morning, what old entrenched identities do you need to forget? What do you need to leave behind this morning, forever? Not just for 2022 and 2023, but forever. Because if we're going to embrace the miracle of new beginnings, we can't be dragging the past with us. And just like Exodus actually wasn't the point of Israel's identity, it's the same for us. Whatever we've come through, that is not the point of our faith. It's who God says we are. And so in terms of our identity, we've got to forget stuff so we can 
get hold of the new thing God is doing. It's the same with our purpose. See, our purpose in God is not predicated on what we did or did not do previously. And I want to say this to you. It is not determined by what our parents, our family, our community, culture, or society think. I'm going to say it again because you need to hear this. It is not determined by what our parents, our family, our community, or culture, or society think. Now it is determined by who we are in Christ Jesus. And what are we in Christ Jesus? New creations. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we are new creations. And so we've been taught a whole lot of, this is what God wants. This is God, what God thinks. If you do this, you go to hell. If you do this, you go to heaven. We've created a whole bunch of purpose that is not from God. Just like Israel did, where they got so entrenched in just keeping the law, that they made that the focus of their faith and forgot God, the actual deliverer. And so when it comes to purpose, we need to stop saying that's what God wants. We need to go and read what he says. We need to go and find out from him what he wants. And so what old purposes and plans do you need to leave behind this year? If you've made plans for the last 15 years and you've never fulfilled them, that's something you should just forget about, leave behind, and ask God what He wants. That was free for somebody this morning. <laughs> Possibly me. And it's the same for our faith. See, God's expectations are now the only expectations we should have. Who he is, what he wants, what he says, what he wants to do, what he wants to release. And again, not our own expectations or those of our parents, our family, our community, culture, or society. Our expectation of our future in God cannot rely on our past experiences, but on what he is saying. I've realized this is why I get frustrated in my faith. You don't have to put your hand up, but are you frustrated in your faith this morning? Are there unanswered prayers, unfulfilled dreams, unmanifested hopes? Is your expectation God's expectation? <laughs> Is your expectation God's expectation? Because some of us are sitting here and we're doing that, I'm angry with God or until God does, but what is his expectation? And I'm sorry if that touches your sore place, but it's true for me. It's true for every one of us as Christians. We cannot just get rid of our humanity, but we have to find him in the middle of it. And then we have to choose to submit it. Because what God wants to happen is what's going to happen, whether I like it or not. So I can either go with him in faith and joy and comfort, or I can fight him every step of the way. And that's a nightmare. I've done that way too much in my life, Simon. I don't want to do that in 2023. <laughs> and you see, we bring all kinds of expectations, all kinds of failures, all kinds of disappointments, all kinds of hurts into the new thing, and then nothing changes because we filter everything through what we want and what we think and what we understand. 
And this morning, God's word to you and I is, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. What do we need to forget about once and for all? What hurt do we need to bring to God and let him heal it forever? What disappointment do we need to stop letting define us? Remember not, forget the former things. Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so we must behold, look, see what God is doing. That to behold is to look. But do you know that in English, looking and seeing are not the same thing? We use them as synonyms. I can see something and not look at it. I can look at something and not see it. Yes, some of us got that. (laughs) Because it's true. And so how do we look at something? Well, we have to behold it, to gaze upon it, to see it for what it is to look and understand. At the end of that sentence, he says, do you not perceive it? Perceiving is understanding. It's catching. It's it's holding it in a place where it affects you and changes you. To perceive something means there's going to be a change. Something's going to be different. And so we've got to stop looking at what's going on around us. We most certainly have to stop letting what's going on around us dictate to us who we are or who God is or how we should respond. And it's hard because a lot of stuff has gone down in the last two years. More stuff than we want to hold or understand. But God says, behold, look up, look out. We have to get out of our understanding and we need to start seeing our environment, our circumstances and situations from God's point of view. We have to move away from our expectation so we can see what God is thinking, planning and doing. So I've been a Christian for 35 years last year. (laughs) September this year, it becomes 36. The years go fast, people. And what, <laughs> what I can tell you, for abs- what I know for absolutely sure, is that every new thing that God does in and for us is always about forming more of Jesus in our hearts and lives. <laughs> we'll get there in a moment. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's what he wanted to do with Israel. But they thought the law was the best they could manage. That's what he wants to do in you and I. The best we can do is be in relationship with him. It's a lot harder than the law. It costs us so much more than the law does. It requires everything we are, everything we think, everything we have. We've got to change our minds all the time. In the law, we can just comply, and it doesn't matter what we think or feel. But God sees your heart. 
He sees my heart. He knows. It's not just about how I look on the inside. It's about who I really am. And so here's the essence of the new things. God will bless us with himself. Do you know he's actually the blessing? Every time you read blessing in the Bible, it's actually just God himself. And then, yes, because we have him, he gives us everything we need to live. And then because he's so generous and kind, he gives us even more to make life amazing. But when I've read the scripture, behold, I'm doing a new thing, I get all excited about all kinds of things and wants and passions. (laughs) God is not interested in any of that. I'm sorry to tell you. Yeah, it hurts, right? I don't like it either. I wake up every new day and I know what the new thing is God should do. I've got it clear in my head. If I have this, if I get that, when that comes, when he fulfills this, man, the new thing's going to be here. That's not what the new thing is. Do you know what Isaiah is actually prophesying here is the coming of Messiah. We've just celebrated his birthday. That is the new thing. Because that makes everything new. Everything. Everything. And so that has to change the way we think about this. It absolutely has to change the way we're about to pray for all the things we want this year. There's nothing wrong with asking. God wants to increase us. But what does he want to increase in us? And I have been so disappointed with God that I stopped talking to him because something I wanted didn't come to my life. I'm telling you right now, that was me being very childish. That was me being a screaming fit toddler. That's all that was. Because he knows what I need. Trusting God is understanding he knows better than I do. Do you know that God sees the end from the beginning? What that means is he knows what's going to happen in three seconds, three minutes, three days, three weeks, three months, three years, 30,000 years. He knows exactly what's coming down. And he's considered all of that in everything that he's giving and doing in us. I only know what I want now. So behold, he is doing a new thing. And now we get to the crux of the matter. I I am doing a new thing. Let's read that again. I am doing a new thing. Who is doing the new thing? Whose new thing is it? (laughs) Whose new thing isn't it? (laughs) Who is not doing a new thing? (laughs) You're you're getting the point. It is not my new thing and it has nothing to do, nothing of me in it. And you know what? God's new thing is always for my best interest. It really is. That's how much God loves us. Sometimes God doesn't give us what we want because he'll know it will kill us or drag us away from him. But every new thing he does is for our benefit. And God's best interest for me and for you is to be what? Conformed to the image of Jesus. Jesus is always the content and the subject of the new thing. That's it. And until we we understand that, we're going to struggle with it. You know, Pastor Bill, Bill Bennett, I grew up under his preaching, and something he said repeatedly that is like literally a part of my brain forever is that God is more interested in your character than your comfort. I mean, I hate that. 
if I had to say it would be God wants to just give me everything I want because he knows it will make me happy. Nowhere, nowhere is that promise. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. And we can fight it or we can live, let him come because when he changes our character, and we all have testimonies, when we actually submit to God, comfort comes. Peace comes. Joy comes. And so the, Jesus is always the content and the subject of the new thing. And this is what Israel missed. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. that I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, a new spirit, a new heart, not a heart that hides behind law, not transactional, not contractual, relational. You see, the problem with the heart of flesh is we feel it. We feel the pain of sacrifice. We experience the disappointment of not getting what we want for the greater good. It's easy to go in the law. I just comply and I don't have to feel anything if I don't want to. A new spirit and a new heart. Some of you, the pain you're feeling is because God has given you a new heart. And like I said before, what I know for sure is everything that happens in this life, in this world, is an opportunity for me to experience the love of Jesus, is an opportunity for me to learn who he is in this situation. If you've never been sick, how do you know him as a healer? If you've never had lack, how do you know he's your provider? God wants us to feel. That is talking about relationship with God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Nothing can take that away. But as I've said many times before, there are things God gives us the second we believe he is the son of God, the resurrected son of God. But it's about us receiving it. And I use this analogy, like we've just had Christmas. If every gift you got, you were like, wow, what a gift. And you went around showing it to people and saying, look how beautifully this gift is wrapped. Look at this amazing gift. And then you go home and you've got a gift room and you place it in the gift room and you walk out and close the door. Well, you'd all think you're nuts. <laughs> Something has gone horribly wrong. But that's how we are with God. We have it. If you're not experiencing it, go and unwrap it. If you're not experiencing it, just go and get it. You are a new thing. If it doesn't feel like it, figure out what's going on and then learn to be the new creation. And Revelation 21.5, and he, he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He who is seated on the throne is who? God. God. And what does God say? I am making all things new. When you're not sure, when you forget and then remember, oh, hold on, you come back and you said, God said, I am making all things new. Now it springs forth. <laughs> I've already told you, you have it. 
It's not coming. It's happening. Now it is springing forth. Right now. Romans 5 verse 5 tells us that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The new thing is ours already. Embrace it, receive it, accept it, believe it, then live from it. I love this scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every morning they are new. Until the end, we are guaranteed the sun will rise tomorrow. The second the sun rises, it's morning. New mercies. You already have it. It has sprung forth. It is now. And this is the beauty of the miracle of new beginnings. Jesus is our eternal second chance. Jesus Christ is our eternal new beginning. If we mess it up, we just confess and we run into him and we carry on. We must learn to repent quickly. There is no penance in the Bible. It is a false doctrine made up by men. Either Jesus is enough or, or we are messed up forever. And he is enough. So when you sin, repent immediately. Keep going. And there's also a lie that when I sinned, I must start from the beginning. An absolute lie. You have Jesus. It's relationship. It's not monopoly where you have to go up levels. It's a friendship. It's relationship. You have it. You have it. You have it. And then I just love that God actually tells us two ways He's going to do the new thing. And the first thing is going to make a way in the wilderness. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who is the way in the wilderness? Jesus. And Jesus is the living word of God. What is a way in the wilderness? The word of God. Are you asking God for a word? That's not a bad thing but you have it. Are you reading the Word of God? Are you living in the Word of God? I, I looked at some stats from version a couple of years ago, and it was so telling, because it was like millions of highlights, <laughs> um, millions of shares, 300,000 notes. This, I think, was their fifth anniversary. Um, and that really did something in my brain because I realized what was probably happening is because we're human, right? The daily notification pops up. Oh, the Bible. Oh, yes, that's awesome. Highlight it. Send it to a friend. Make a pretty picture from it. Okay, Bible done. <laughs> Why did the notes tell me something? Because how much are we studying the Word of God? How much are we taking to heart what it's saying? How much are we letting it so convict our soul that it's, it's good enough to rem remind ourselves by writing it down? From that day, I made a decision that I was going to write notes. And when I look back at my notes, it's the most amazing thing. It's all convictions. As I'm reading, the Lord's telling me, you're not loving that person. You're being very judgmental about that. You have no compassion here. <laughs> And so my notes are just me going, Lord, I'm so sorry, Lord. But I read through it, and then I remember, but this is who God is making me. This is how he is forming me into the image of Christ. 
And so the way in the wilderness is the word of God. There is a way for you. You need to make some effort and go dig it out. Prophetic words are awesome. But when you read the Bible and hear God for yourself, nothing will take that away from you. And then his second strategy is streams in the desert. Isaiah 41, 18 says, I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. You see, every new thing God does is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Streams in the desert is the Holy Spirit. Away in the wilderness is the Word of God. Streams in the desert, the Holy Spirit. And so the new thing God is doing is not birthed in your or my desires or in our minds, but it is birthed in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the fountain of living water within us. And as we know, 2023, our theme is miracles. Well, we have to embrace relationship with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) <laughs> Only he's the one who's going to bring the miracles. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians. So if you want miracles, you have to have him because he's the one who does the miracles. And so hopefully now you're understanding that the new thing God is doing, the subject and content is Jesus. The new thing he is doing is going to form more of Jesus in us. It's not about the things we want or the declarations we make. It's about who he is and how we experience him in real life. Jesus is our miracle of new beginnings. Every second, every minute, every hour, every day, he is our second chance. And so we've spoken a lot this morning about leaving things behind, and there's been opportunity to do that. But maybe as I've been speaking, you're beginning to realize in your identity, in your purpose, in your faith, you're frustrated because you're dragging stuff with you. And maybe you heard the word of the Lord to you to say, forget it. Remember it no more. And what I want to ask you to do is just where you're sitting, you do business with God. It's good to get prayer from other people, but today, you're going to do business with God. And if there's repentance that needs to happen, you know, all we do when we confess our sin and repent is we just come back into agreement with God. Lord, I thought this, but that's not what you think. I'm so sorry. I agree with you. I know what you think now. That's as simple as it is. So let's just all close our eyes, and you just go before the Lord. Let's just have a quiet moment here. Just reflect. What do you need to leave behind?
Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the miracle of new beginnings. We are so grateful that you are our new beginning, our eternal second chance, Lord. Father, you've told us to forget it, to leave it behind. And God, that's what we endeavor to do right now, Lord God. Wash away every disappointment, every bit of shame, every failure, every weakness, every false expectation, no matter where it came from. Wash it away now, Lord. Wash it away, Lord Jesus. God, we want to enter 2023 with a blank slate, Lord God. We want to enter 2023 knowing that you are the one doing the new thing. And that you are forming the image of Christ in us more than ever before this year, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we ask that we would, every one of us, become more intimate with you more acquainted with you, more perceiving of who you are and what you're saying and what you're doing. God, we long to see the miracles. But more than that, we want you, Lord. We want you and we want you flowing in us and flowing through us. In Jesus' name, amen.